The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 92 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm the host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Before we get into this week's conversation, I want to thank a couple of people. We had a couple of really nice reviews on iTunes, and you probably get tired of hearing me talk about reviews, but it really does help people find the show. And actually, recently, uh, based on searches, we have moved up a little bit. We now are up to 132 five-star reviews with uh, 58 actually written customer reviews. And we have a five-star average out of five. So thank you so much. I want to especially thank uh, Rucker, Rucker or Rucker, I'm not sure what it is, R-U-K-E-R-R, as well as It's Jolene. Wonderful, wonderful reviews. Thank you so much. Don't we have amazing guests? It is such a blessing to be able to do this podcast and all the great people I get to meet. And this week is no exception. Jerem Smith is so fun. He is a speaker and a comedic actor and does all kinds of creative things. And it was just really fun to get to sit down with him. And this week in my Latter-day life, I'll tell you how I shared the realities of the gospel and how it's different from a reality show. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And my guest today is a speaker. He is a comedian, comedic writer, comedic presenter, is a a true personality and a very exciting guy to follow. Jerem Smith is my guest. Welcome to the show today, Jerem. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. By the way, we are recording, of all the strange places, we are in a conference room in a courtyard hotel in Huntington (laughs) Beach, California. I have to say this is the oddest place I've ever recorded. It feels very professional, like if someone were to walk in... We look very pro here. Yeah, we look super pro. (laughs) But I'm down here on business, and uh, Jerem actually lives here, not far from here at all. So good opportunity to come sit down. But Jerem, this is what's exciting. I know almost nothing at all about you, so everything's (laughs) going to be exciting from here. I'm an enigma. (laughs) Indeed. Tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and where you're from, where you grew up. For sure. Well, actually, I grew up not too far far from here, over in uh, San Diego County. Um, I grew up in Escondido, California. Yeah. And uh, California was a great place to grow up. <laughs> um, not long after that, I moved to Arizona. I went on a mission to uh, to Tallahassee, Florida, and then mm. came back. And then I started uh, growing up. I, I was always in film. I was always doing some kind of theater, acting work, film, any kind of uh, whatever I could do, <laughs> or live events. Yeah. And I continued to do that when I got back. And That's awesome. Here I am now. <laughs> so were you, did you actually have like a full agent and everything when you were a kid? Uh, not as a kid. No, I didn't get that until I got older. Yeah. Yeah. So did you do, were you kind of a classic theater kid? Uh, yeah, I kind of broke out of the, uh, what's, the, what's the word, the weirdness <laughs> of, <laughs> uh, of being a theater kid um, somewhere in high school. Um, I wouldn't say that I was the theater kid that everyone would imagine. I actually didn't even like theater, to be honest. I um, I mean, I liked doing it, but I didn't really like watching it. I always felt like it was kind of cheesy. Um, but I do enjoy, now I, I oh, I do enjoy it now, like going to see live shows. The energy yeah. is really cool. Things like that. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, what were you? What else were you into when you were a kid? Growing um, up in Escondido, that was that was kind of my main focus was yeah. acting and entertainment. I was told as a kid that. Uh, you know, I should be an actor or I should be a, <laughs> I was told I should be an actor or I should be a teacher. And I kind of found a profession that does both. So, <laughs> oh yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit for yeah. sure. That's awesome. Are you now, were you raised in the church? I was. Yeah. Yeah. Whole family members of the church. Uh-huh. Um, how, some, some not anymore, but <laughs> yeah, I think we all have that a little bit, but uh, how many siblings do you have? I have four. So I have a, an older, my sister, the oldest, and then two older brothers and one younger brother. Awesome. Very cool. Um, and you served a mission in Tallahassee, you said? Mm-hmm. I've been to Tallahassee a few times. Beautiful place. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. How was your mission? It was great. Yeah. I had an awesome mission president. There were awesome missionaries. I came into the uh, I came into the mission at a very pivotal time, I would say. <laughs> the um, 
the when I first got into the mission, I thought maybe I had done something wrong because <laughs> I, I came into the mission and I uh, um, when I got there, um, there was quite a bit of like disobedience in the mission. I thought, oh my oh, gosh, really? I got sent to a mission where people are bad because I'm bad. <laughs> like, that's, I must have been bad. What did I do wrong? Like, and um, and actually, it turned out I got into the mission right at, right at a pivotal point where the mission president and the mission president before had prepared changes that were made in the mission, which made it a very elite mission. And we had a great time and a lot of spiritual things happened there. Wow, that's awesome. So you are by nature comedic. I mean, it's obvious. Like I I watch your Instagram feed and whatnot. You've got a very natural comedic streak. Did you know you were funny when you were young? Was that something you knew? <laughs> I did. I know it's a weird <laughs> question. By the way, weird question. I no, I, I got it. I mean, I, yeah. I got this question. All right. So um, I noti- I started noticing I was funny when I was, yeah, pretty young. I would say probably around five or six years old. And uh, it got me out of a lot because <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I actually had a seminary teacher tell my mom once, like, you know what? I really want to get <laughs> I, I, he wasn't the only one either. I really want to get mad at Jerem. And then he says something so funny that I can't like. <laughs> I can't get him in trouble because I'm laughing. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely used comedy was a was a, even an escape. Sometimes was like a, a great way to lighten a, a mood when things were yeah. tough. Or that's awesome. Did you did you find opportunities to use comedy on your mission? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> people people generally trust comedians. People trust comedy because uh, especially when it's coming from a place of confidence and a place yeah. of love. Sure, it makes them comfortable and. Uh, for sure, I got to use comedy on my mission, I would say. Yeah. Did you ever – like we've had a lot of comedians on and a theme that has come up again and again is people using comedy to meet girls. <laughs> Was that a thing for you? Um, not on the mission, but uh, – <laughs> but um, Thank heavens it wasn't a thing on the mission. Right, That's good. I, yeah, I, good for you. <laughs> I was a good boy. But other than on the mission. Um, yeah. Comedy is an excellent way to <laughs> – yeah, it's an excellent way to. Make, it's also an excellent way to get put in the friend zone. I found, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, right, isn't it true? It really Funny, the girls want. I actually got one time a girl asked me to a prom and literally said, "I want to go to prom because I want someone who will really make me laugh, who I can really have fun with, but have no romantic expectation whatsoever." Mm-hmm. I don't know how to take that. Right, and what does uh, that mean? It's uh, it's pretty much a dagger to the heart. But <laughs> the uh, <laughs> I, I've noticed the same thing for sure. I actually I spoke to a girl once, or I I went on a couple dates with a girl who I, I was really into her. I really liked her, and this was in Arizona. I took her on a couple dates. We we on the third day, I asked her like, "Hey, I'd really love to do this again. I I really like you. I I'd, I'd love to see where this goes." And she's like, "No, you know, I really don't, I'm not interested romantically, but I would like to be friends." <laughs> and so to every guy, that's pretty much, "Oh, okay, so you yeah. don't want to see me again." Sure. Right? But then I get a text the next day saying, "Hey, well, hey, what are you doing this weekend?" So she actually wanted to be friends. <laughs> so she legitimately, she wasn't just blowing you off. Right. She wasn't just. She actually did yeah. want to be friends, and I'm like, "Well, <laughs> no." <laughs> that is awesome. I've tried not to be that way since, though. I've actually made some good friends. From girls oh, that's that good. Dated in the past, so what? What? What year did you get home from your mission? I was a two thousand uh, December of two thousand nine. Yeah, you're a young guy, and so yeah. I, we should know for our audience because it's a podcast; they don't see you. <laughs> you're a young guy, single guy, single, young. yeah, single looking because we got a whole audience out there. <laughs> I would say yes. <laughs> girls will post the pictures, and you can contact me. I can get you connected with Jerem. Yes, send uh, right over. <laughs> yes, directly. Um, so you come home from your mission, and that started this this life at some point. Did you did you know you were going to get right into acting and comedy and everything? I didn't actually. Um, when I was on my mission, I kind of decided that it was irresponsible to get into entertainment. Yeah, I decided that I was going to go into medicine. <laughs> which, by the way, I think medicine is awesome. I was very fascinated. I went in. I got my. Uh, I started going into my degree for health and wellness, and I loved it. I loved biology. I loved anatomy. I loved learning about how the body works. And uh, I, it's funny that you say that because I was just talking to a friend about this yesterday. We were um, after church. We went to the beach just to kind of walk and talk. And I was telling him that uh, we were talking about our careers because he kind of did what might be considered to some people an irresponsible decision as well, where he went and started um, a business, which is actually thriving now for him. Mm. So good, great for him. And um, I, uh, I just I. I started going into school and I really enjoyed it, but it felt like for whatever reason I was leaving something behind. Hmm. And I don't know that a lot of people would understand that feeling. I felt like I had all of this 
talent that I had developed and enjoyed when I was a kid, and I was just kind of dropping it. Not to say that somebody that goes into medicine is dropping every other talent that they have, but no, for sure. me, that was the feeling that it felt like, was that, yeah. that there was something, some, something great that I was going to be leaving behind. Sure. And so I decided to, I prayed a lot. I decided to take, I remember exactly where I was. I was walking on a bike path in Arizona when I prayed about this. And I remember kind of just feeling the words, so try it out, see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) I tried it out. I I took a semester off school and really, really uh, tried it out and uh, started working with some filmmakers in Utah. And then um, I actually, well, first I started working with some filmmakers in Arizona. It was a company that I didn't think was going to go anywhere. I stopped working with them and went to go work some, some filmmakers in Utah. And then after that had kind of run its course, I came back to Arizona, worked with that original company. And that original company had blown into this awesome production company where I was working with people I never thought I'd work with in the business. When you say working with, were you acting? Um, Both. Yeah. So I was working, I got into um, both the production side and the acting side um, self, a lot of self-promotion and I yeah. eventually ended up doing films with them. Yeah. By the way, and I mean this in like literally the best way possible. You are a great self-promoter. <laughs> you really are. I mean, you're good at promoting yourself and getting your name out there. So I think that's awesome. So what were some, what were, what was the first film project you worked on? The very first? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I would say in my adulthood, um, my very, my very, very first film project was when I was twelve. I did a, a, move, a movie called Marty and the Great Fossil Adventure, or something like that. <laughs> um, one of the first, I would say, significant film projects was a film that they filmed in Arizona called A Horse for Summer, and that was when we actually started getting some uh, larger names into the yeah. film and really, really some true, you know, this is a, like a real business investment for yeah. this film, and the film did really well. Um, the, uh, not long after that, I, I, I helped to produce a film with that same company. I actually brought in money for that film and Mm. then I, well, first I acted in it, but because I wanted it to do well, I brought in money. I used to help films get funded. And, uh, that was a film that was actually on TV not too long ago called fishes and loaves heaven sent. Um, the reason I liked this company is because everything was, Everything was family friendly. I didn't have to worry about doing something I wasn't comfortable with. Oh, and to be awesome. honest, the film business is turning into that. Yeah, there, there's sort of a dividing line. I think there's there are a lot of projects out there where it's really impressive how they like they're family friendly. They're great, but there's also a lot of unsavory out there. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, mm. have you been offered anything, any projects that you've had to walk away from? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I um, there have been projects. Uh, Typically, I stay away from horror. Uh, I don't. Sure. I, the zombie thing was a really big deal for a while, and people were contacting me about that. Luckily, I have an agent who understands. My agent's also LDS. Oh, really? Um, Terry Prather from Focus Talent Management. She's great. Um, <laughs> and uh, she still sends me work, um, yeah. even though now I live over here in Huntington Beach, and she'll, she'll even send me uh, Los Angeles things as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And she's non-contractual, which is interesting. So I don't have to sign a contract, but I've stayed with her. So <laughs> oh, she uh, must be great. She is. Yeah. She's been yeah, absolutely awesome. She's been great. And she was very understanding about my standards. Um, part of the reason that I have steered away from a lot of agents is because they, agents will often expect you to go to an audition. And uh, with her, she, we have an understanding to where it's well. I I understand you understand that there are certain kinds of work that I won't do. Yeah, that I can't do. It's not worth it to me to right. do. Right. It's awesome to yeah. keep your standards and to find someone who will support it. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So you went to Utah for a while. What what type of film work did you do in Utah? Um, a lot of commercial work, and uh, I worked with Blue Fire Studios out mm. there for a while. Blue Fire Studios there. Uh, you have Cam and Randall, who is the producer there, and then you have a bunch of. Uh, special effects guys. <laughs> um, and then also you know, and other things I would help them with whatever they needed help with. I was almost, I would say it was almost an intern, but I was actually there to help promote their company and yeah. promote their, their commercial sister company, which was made for video marketing. Do you find that you have a natural business knack along with like, are you very comfortable doing like negotiations and sales and whatnot? As long as I know the product. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I have always been a, people 
person. And usually my, my line of work has always led me either to entertainment or to wherever I can work with people or both with, with Nandar entertainment. Often they would send me, I was one of the major jobs I did with them before we, before I started acting with them was I was kind of the liaison between them and the major actors that we were in. They'd have me stay at the hotel with the actors um, just to make sure that just to kind of buffer the relationship. So in that way, um, sometimes if there was an actor that was really, I would say pompous and we ran into a few of them, they'd send me in yeah. to, to depompousify them. That's a word <laughs> I just made up. <laughs> depompousify them yes. without, um, without making them angry. Yeah. You seem really easygoing. Like you would be good at that. I can imagine you being good at that job. Who are some of the, you don't have to tell us who the pompous I ones probably were, won't. but <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep a, keep a career going. You right. probably shouldn't, but who are some of the big names you've worked with? Um, well, I would say pseudo big names. So <laughs> the, um, I, uh, Dean Kane and I are actually good friends now. Oh yeah. Yeah. He is actually fantastic to work with. He's he, done a lot in Utah. He's shot a lot of stuff in Utah. Yeah. Well, he's in the same niche that a lot of Utah's in. A lot of Utah has a lot of, it's a nice safe space to do family friendly work and Utah's film business is actually yeah. doing fantastic. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and they make it very easy for filmmakers to create projects there because yeah. they just it, in general business thrives there and people our listeners would know dean kane from lois and clark all yeah, those years superman yeah. or uh, ripley's believe it or not that was that's his right show. ripley's believe and it or he not hosted it but um, he also played scott uh what's his name the guy who killed his wife which was horrible he he played uh, uh i can't remember their names but <laughs> i remember just seeing it on one night on tv and i thought man i like dean kane so much i hate seeing him as a bad guy or yeah. he was in god's not dead yeah he played oh that's the, right he was in god's not dead also he played the snobby businessman yeah yeah he's a great actor and he's and he's actually a great guy yeah. he is one of the actors that i genuinely look forward to working with um there was actually a funny story with him we were in, in the car on the way to set <laughs> and uh uh I was for this particular production. I was in charge of transportation, make, um, coordinating transportation for the actors, as well as being kind of their, <laughs> basically their paid friend on yeah. set. So, yeah. And uh, so we were on our way. Um, I was driving this time, and uh, I was driving him to the set. And we saw we we just became friends pretty quickly. And no joke, this I'm not. You're going to think that I'm joking about this. I'm not. <laughs> this this was not planned. This was absolutely. This was organic conversation here. And uh, Dean looks up in the air and he sees something flying in the air and he says, "What is that?" He said, "Is that a, is that a bird?" And I'm looking up. I'm like, "No, I actually think that's a plane." No, come on. I'm serious. <laughs> and then we realized what we had just said. And he, <laughs> I look over at him and we're both at the same time. We're like, "No, it's Superman." <laughs> I swear to you, we didn't even realize what we were saying. And then he kind of moves on to the conversation and starts talking about what we were talking about before we saw the, you know, UFO. That's in the hilarious. Air. And and I'm like, wait, 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 no, 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 no. We are gonna stop and we are gonna <laughs> laugh about this. This was funny. <laughs> and then you uh, said it's a bird. It's a plane. It's <laughs> Superman. Oh, that's phenomenal. Anyway, so he's great. And then we worked with in that uh, in various films. We worked with uh, Daniel Baldwin, who was Alec Baldwin's yeah, brother. Yeah, sure. And uh, Eric Roberts. Um, who has also done a lot of film in Utah sure. and worked with a lot of Latter-day Saint artists. He does a lot of film, period. Yeah, he's in, I feel like, every, everything. <laughs> <laughs> he take, if you look at his IMDb, it's just... Yeah. Um, but, yeah. How was it working with Eric Roberts? Um, Eric was a character, for sure. He would like he liked to play uh, pranks on, with people on set. He liked to, like... I, we're sitting, I'm sitting there talking to one of our PAs, and uh, next thing I know, there's, like, napkin hitting over, and he I look over. It's obvious it's him. He thinks he's so coy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, he, he liked to joke around on set. He... Um, um, I thought maybe I thought maybe while we were on set, I thought maybe he didn't like me or something. Hmm. And then um, when we left, he's like, "I really like you. You're a sweet guy." And then he bought me lottery tickets. <laughs> I was like, "I mean, I didn't actually. I don't really follow the lottery. I didn't. I mean, maybe they won. I don't know. I never really checked. Oh, but that's um, funny. That was nice of him. What a random thing. Yeah, yeah. He went, I like you. You're a sweet guy. Here's some lottery tickets. I bought you lottery tickets from the gas station. <laughs> One thing he he told me about the entertainment business, which is something that I. I'm going to, that's going to stick with me. We were at, I was, t- uh, we were over at a Walmart and we were just getting some stuff. And as an actor and the same thing happened to Daniel Baldwin, he almost got bombarded, but he went by himself over to yeah, get sure. from a store. Um, we go into a Walmart and he, uh, something I thought was cool was that everyone wanted to take a picture with him. Not everyone, but people who recognized yeah, him. Sure. And, uh, 
I was like, hey, do you want me to be the bad guy here? Do you want me to tell people to kind of like, like to yeah, lay off? Sure. And he said, no. I he's like, I, this is part of the job. I always take pictures with people that want to that want to cool. talk to me. And I thought that was really cool. That's something that I took with me is that, you know what? This is part of my job. If somebody wants to take a picture with me or wants to get an autograph, then I better stop and do it because those people are my audience. Yeah, <laughs> Why would I awesome. not treat them get with that respect? Well, he got a lot of credibility or a lot of note. He was in the uh, Batman films. Yeah. One of the Batman films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's neat. Has has being a member of the church ever come up with any of the uh, actors you've worked with? For sure, actually. Um uh, Dean, he played Joseph Smith in. <laughs> he what? played, yeah, in some movie. He said he played Joseph Smith. Dean Kane really, played Joseph Smith at some point. I don't know. If, I haven't seen it. But <laughs> oh my gosh! I sh- for I, sure don't know about that. I believe at unless I'm wrong, but no, I believe. He, yeah, he told me he played Joseph Smith in some. That's movie. amazing. I don't know if it was a movie that supported the church or a movie that was against the church, but he, uh, <laughs> he yeah, apparently he did. I talked to him about it. Um, he had questions, and then pretty much at some point, all the actors had questions about being LDS. One of them, um, Eric, no, I'm sorry, not Eric, that's what's his name in the movie, Paul Green from Hallmark Channel. He's kind of one of the faces of Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he definitely had a lot of questions about it and about, uh, he, he asked, he'd ask me, I, I couldn't tell if he was trying to make fun of me or if he was respecting me. I think it was kind of both, but <laughs> he, yeah. um, no, he was. He was great. He was a good friend on set, and he I had a chance to talk to him. Marco Dapper, who was on, the I believe, The Young and the Restless for about 80 okay. episodes. He was with us as well. He um, he and I became very good friends. That's awesome. And he, um, it seemed like the – when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, I found that I was getting bullied a lot. Hmm. And, and that, that followed me, I would say – I would say my self-esteem really got – and this kind of is what I talk about when I'm in the public speaking room. Yeah. Um, when I was about in middle school, I was actually pretty confident, pretty outspoken, pretty happy kid. And then I just got put in this class full of a bunch of kids whose, I don't know, parents may not love them or something because they just tore me apart. Mm. Um, by the time I got into my eighth grade year, I didn't feel very good about myself. And That's hard. Yeah, for sure. It is. Uh, it was – I don't think I even knew how hard it was. I think I had numbed myself so much at that point that I didn't realize how much I just wanted to be dead. <laughs> like I wanted to not be, um, I didn't, I don't, I never attempted suicide. I don't think it ever got that far, but I remember just thinking like, I wish like, this is so hard. I wish I could just not deal with this right now. Yeah. My parents at the time were dealing with a lot already. And I think that at some, on some level, I didn't want to, burden them with more. I don't think that wasn't a conscious thought. I think that's just kind of why yeah, I subconsciously, never really said sure. Um, yeah, the family was not super great, growing, <laughs> but my, my parents were great. Um, yeah. I learned a lot from it, though. After get, like so many people that I noticed that are some of the most sober minded and and uh, compassionate people in a very real way, not just in a fake, I want to help people so I can feel better about myself way, but in a, I really want to reach out to other people because I genuinely don't want them to suffer right. kind of way. I, um, have, I found that those are the people that have usually gone through the most. And they're also the people that I connect with the most. Interesting. The, um, I, I fit, I figured my way out of it eventually. <laughs> I, I definitely did, but there was a lot to heal from and there was a lot to change from. And one of the things that I, ch- one of the things that I realized when I was younger is that a lot of the reason that people lash out at me or, or come after me or see me as a target is because they don't see value in me. Mm. And a lot of the reason that they don't see value in me is because I'm not showing them any value. <laughs> Not to justify bullying by any means. Bullying can be yeah. a very damaging thing. But um, these people that were bullying me or the people that I thought were of more worth than I was, if I could just reach out to them in some way or serve them in some way and make sure that mm. I'm uplifting them in some way, then they then I was no longer a, to- a target for bullying. I was no longer um, I was no longer someone that they wanted to resent for some reason. I became yeah. a friend. Sounds like you learned a lot of lessons from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot so of I applied that to this, and it turns out celebrities are people too. Yeah, and sure. they need friends too. Yeah. Let's 
Let's let's segue into public speaking because, I mean, that's a big, big part of your life. Tell us about your speaking life. For sure. So I didn't think I'd be doing it, <laughs> just like everything else. Um, it actually, it originally started um, – I first I started working with a company called the Apex Leadership Company, and which the Apex Leadership Company is a company that goes into – um, organizations or schools, usually it started off at least with schools, goes into schools and holds a leadership program that helps fundraise for the school at the same time. Um, and it's been a great company. We teach these powerful uh, powerful lessons and these powerful discussions with students, and then they actually retain it. Mm. And we have research to show that they retain it and that they, um, they use it later. So you go in and you're a presenter for the school. For the yeah, for the company yeah, present on to the school, the school. Yeah. yeah, we present to the school, um, and it's it's a lot more than that. It's a whole two week. We're, we're with them all day, and we we uh, we're yeah we're giving them the leadership lessons in their classroom and things like that. But we're also there on the campus all day, and uh, we're for two weeks, and then we say goodbye to them when they leave. You spend two weeks at a school at a time. <laughs> with oh the my gosh! Um, and then um, having done that, it really. When after seeing the results of what we could do at a school or how many students' lives were actually changed by what was happening, and I still love the Apex Leadership Company. We, sure. They, they do so, so many good things. Um, after seeing how that worked, I, um, it gave me this desire to really help, to really help and see where I could help in other ways. I saw um, one, I, had, I actually just saw, what was it? It was a movie. Um, it was oh, The Greatest Showman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. And uh, after I saw The Greatest Show, it was funny because after I saw that movie, I saw um, how they were all came together at the end and they were this unified thing. And it left me – I had already been thinking about this, but when I saw that, it left me with this desire to really want to – not just to connect with other people, but to, but to unify people mm. and to really come together as a big old just family. Yeah, sure. Um, and so – I started uh, – one day I was just you know, talking to my following on Facebook Live, and uh, I didn't realize how many of them were going through something hard. All of them were. Yeah, <laughs> every, sure. every single person was going through something hard. And I had just mentioned uh, some of the things that I, that I liked about you know, the movie or mentioned things that I do with the Apex Leadership Company. And uh, somebody, somebody mentioned something about their own uh, PTSD or their oh. depression or their anxiety or their bipolar disorder – or, um, or uh, I had a I had a kid in, I believe the Ukraine reach out to me saying that he had been considering suicide. Wow, now this this was all very heavy for me. <laughs> I thought, yeah. I, I'm just you know an actor comedian. They um, after they reached out to me, I um, we started talking about it on the Facebook Live. And on Facebook Live, if I believe it's only if you're a verified person, which on Facebook I am. Yeah, um, you can bring people on to talk to them on the. The screen yeah, the actual screen. And so we had some really good discussions, and uh, one of them, who actually has a podcast as well, uh, Daniel, he he came on and he had just he said he had just found me by chance because one of his friends had seen it and then shared it, and uh, he told me that I had that after a few episodes of talking to him that I had really changed his life. Wow. You you never and you mentioned to me that some people had said that to you or had similar feedback for your yeah, podcast. Yeah, we've had beautiful feedback. Yeah. I, I was not prepared for that. I, I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that my, what I thought was just a very small contribution to the world. Sure. Could save somebody. Isn't that incredible. <laughs> and uh, that I had never felt that was just incredible. And then I got similar feedback from other people, but he was the first. And uh, he had been – this guy has had been through multiple illnesses, mm. multiple struggles. So hard. And uh, and not just the illnesses but also uh, his, his life growing up was really hard. And then uh, – and then even his adulthood was hard as well. He, the loss and just mm. – I don't want to get too much into it. But, but uh, he – I was so impressed that I had the ability and the power to do that for somebody. Sure. And if I had the ability and power to do that for somebody, then so does everybody else. Yeah, sure. So where did that take you? That took me into public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I, so, so now public, outside of just Apex. Outside of Apex, for sure. Um, I started doing more of those. <laughs> I yeah. even for a while I did some coaching, um, and then I kind of let that go just because it was <laughs> sure. quite, it was a lot to handle. But um, 
the uh, the message I wanted to bring to people was that we all have some kind of contribution to make. Yeah, we all have some way of not just not just helping somebody, but changing mm. somebody's life and on a daily basis. Yeah, but we don't do it because we become so isolated with our own issues when really <laughs> and this came this epiphany came through a lot of prayer and a lot of miracles that for me with me and my own issues and my own trials and struggles and if people think my life is always happy and yeah. joyful just because I'm in a public speaking business or entertaining people, they would be so wrong. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I think people get that mistaken impression that I haven't been through hard things and oh um, <laughs> oh, so far from it, or, or, or I'm not currently going through hard yeah. things. Um, I found that when I want to heal from something, that my healing comes through helping somebody else. And that those people that if I, and um, I was noticing that I was getting a little bit, I, you know, sometimes I think I'm a pretty big deal. <laughs> and so <laughs> by, re- by rejecting or turning away those people that I think I don't have time for, I was damaging myself or interesting. turning away my own healing. Mm, interesting. I think it's, it's interesting. You know, we've had Clint Pulver, Jason Hewlett. I, <laughs> yeah. I love Clint. <laughs> yeah. So we've had Clint on the show. We've had Jason Hewlett on the show. We've had a lot of people who make their livings, you know, like you speaking, um, and they both do some acting and other things, but there are a lot of top name Latter-day Saint speakers. Why do you think that is? Oh boy. All right. Let me just get into this. (laughs) (laughs) I think there are so many top name Latter-day Saint speakers because they've realized something Mm. About they've realized something about our lives to where it's actually a lot simpler, yeah, than we think it is. I think that even as Latter Day Saints, we put on a lot of um, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. In fact, I would say sometimes I would say that Latter Day Saints, in a lot of ways, put more pressure on themselves because we have this eternal perspective. But along with that eternal perspective we have this eternal judgment on ourselves. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So um, I think the reason a lot of, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of Latter-day Saint speakers is because they have gained an understanding through the power of the Holy Ghost on how all of this works. Interesting. I think a lot of people have also done that, but then you have those of us who are good at speaking. <laughs> so um, yeah. we, uh, they, we see this valuable message that is shared, and with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I mean, not to say I'm super speaker, but with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we also have this desire to share it. Right. Not just the knowledge, but this big desire to share it. Yeah. And uh, some people have a very natural talent on it, and some people don't. I've seen, I've seen speakers that have enthralled me that are not, you know, uh, oh, wise really? of tongue. <laughs> or that have really? not. Um, they have absolutely just drawn me in. And I would say I would use our apostles as a perfect example. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, though they speak really well, they're not necessarily always entertaining. Yeah, but sure. Their, but their message draws us in because of their authenticity. Interesting. I always wondered like how much of it, first of all, the message, but then secondly, the messenger, we start out giving talks in primary and then all the way up through, and we speak in sacrament, you teach an elders quorum, you're two years on a mission in Tallahassee, you're... That helped a lot, yes. <laughs> speaking, I mean, that really was, a, that's what it is, right? I mean, you're speaking just in a very small group, one, two, three, four people, right? I mean, did that, do you feel like your life in church helped prepare you for life as a speaker? I would say yes. I would yeah. say yes, for sure. Not only because it gained, not only because I owe anything that I learned or that I'm now speaking on, I owe it to the Holy Ghost and I owe it to the Father in heaven and to Jesus Christ for helping me heal from it. Um, Because a lot of times we don't notice what's happening until we've started the healing process. We don't even realize that we're there yet or that we have a problem. And uh, I would say that, yes, the speaking, obviously the talent of speaking mission is a huge thing to gain confidence and uh, and to gain that kind of a talent where we do that every day. I've seen. I remember there was a guy in my ward uh, growing up who was very, 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 very quiet. One of the most quiet people I've ever met in my life. And he came back from his mission, this vibrant, talkative, confident, <laughs> awesome guy. And I would say for sure the mission teaches that. 
along with the with the desire and the need to help other people right heal. right so my background being stand up mm-hmm. i've bombed on stage i've completely tanked every stand up <laughs> has have you ever had a have you ever had a speaking engagement that you walked away from just going well that didn't go well um you know what actually yes um <laughs> so <laughs> i was i uh when I was first, when I first started with the Apex Leadership Company, my my first presentation, I uh, was trying to deliver something in the way that they had kind of trained us to deliver it, and I bombed it. I bombed it so bad that the students were looking at me with with uh, furrowed brows, like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but it's because I wasn't quite ready to go in, and I was trying to do this technique that just didn't work right, and uh, I went away from that just humiliated. And then uh, when I first got into the speaking business, I didn't realize how tiring it is. Speaking is hard. Yeah. It's <laughs> people, work. People, it, it is work, and I mean, it's a lot of preparation. And if you don't do the preparation, then it's uh, then it is. If you don't have the preparation, and you don't believe right. in what you're saying. Then it then it's really really hard. Or if what you're saying isn't something that you've gained without you know, for lack of a better word, uh, testimony of. Yeah. And uh, so I had I was speaking in I was speaking out of state, and I started. I, I gave the first presentation and it went really well. I was going to be speaking for three hours. Um, I what? should, yeah, You're speaking for three hours. Yeah, well, so it was forty-five minutes and then a fifteen-minute or forty-five to fifty minutes and then like a ten or fifteen-minute break. Then another forty-five or fifty minutes with another ten or fifteen-minute break, and then another forty-five or fifty oh minutes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, on the same subject over and over again. Because um, oh. this was a breakout session. And so I started. Oh, you were doing. Up. So this wasn't the same group. This was three breakouts. Yes, this was a separate from Apex. For you sure. know what, though? I've done those breakout sessions. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but no it's, I've done those breakout sessions. It's hard to have your first session energy in a third session. <laughs> it's really hard to say something like, I'm just thinking of this or I'm just saying it now, right? right? And this, oh, for sure. And this was my, this is my first. This was one of this was my first breakout session. I had never done a breakout session before, and so I gave this short forty. It was just you know simple. I can speak for forty five minutes. Sure. That's no problem. Yeah, that's easy. And then I give the second one. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool too. And the audience was really uh, digging it the second time. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm good at this. The third session, I just didn't have that same audience, or they were picking up on the fact that I was exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I was so exhausted. Um, it. I wouldn't say that it turned out bad, but I remember just thinking, like, can I do this? <laughs> this is yeah. this is. Um, um, tiring and it, it's uh, and kind of, that was just kind of disappointing to me that third one where I didn't have my full energy yeah. or gusto and I was losing my place my brain was hurting I was hungry and <laughs> yeah um, yeah so let's jump over to comedy because uh, the way that I really noticed you was on Instagram you put out these short little videos that are just so funny first of all <laughs> You use some type of app to give you. You play all the characters in your in uh, your little bits. <laughs> Usually, yeah. <laughs> in all the bits, yeah, not all of them, but uh, but in some of them, you'll play the husband and the wife or whatever. You have an app that puts hair on you, or, yeah. you know, a woman's hair or whatever. <laughs> do you write all of the things that you produce there? I do. Yeah. yeah. And who shoots it for you? <laughs> Me. <laughs> well, um, I would say I would say I shoot it. If it's one of those yeah. ones where I'm using the app, then I shoot it for me, yeah. You have a huge following on Instagram. <laughs> like I was I was really impressed. My son and I were watching some of my son was just dying. And one of the things that you and I have in common is I assume you love it. I love silly comedy. Oh, for sure. Where does the silliness come from? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so um, my dad loved to laugh. Yeah, my, my dad was always a goofball. I think that we got our comedy from him. I mean, my mom is also really funny. My mom is her reactions are funny, so it was yeah. kind of perfect with my dad being a goofball and my mom being so funny with her reactions and her her quick. She just pulls out these witty stuff sometimes, like, yeah. <laughs> that we uh, that'll just crack us up. But uh, we, um, I, I may have mentioned before that our family life growing up was not ideal, and I think yeah. everyone in the family was trying to figure out who they were and where sure. they, where they fit in. Um, some of, some of, I would say some of my family learned it the hard way. Of course. And they're doing okay now. <laughs> all, all families do. All families go through it. For sure. And, uh, my, my parents ended up divorced. That's rough. They're both great people. Um, there, there were just things they couldn't, they couldn't figure out. That's hard. And, uh, comedy to me, I didn't realize it, but comedy to me was a, was a defense mechanism. Mm. 
And I had to learn when I got older. My mom would always tell me that she'd say, Jeremy, you're, you're closed off. You close off your emotions. You need to, you need to learn to be, you uh, know, interesting. to feel, right? Yeah. And uh, I didn't know what she was talking about. I'm like, what are you talking I mean, First of all, I'm a guy. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what, do you, what do you want me to – I'm like, I, I love being emotional. And actually I did. I just didn't do it very often. Gotcha. Um, I didn't realize it until I got a little older. Maybe I was on my mission that um, comedy was not just a release but it was also becoming a crutch. And, uh, oh. and so I needed to – learn to use comedy in a positive way and not in a way that's going to numb me from connecting with somebody else. And I still struggle with that every day. Sometimes I want to crack a joke instead of, instead of accepting a compliment or uh, yeah. want to be funny instead of saying, Hey, you know what? I, you're, you're a really good friend to me and I really appreciate everything you do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, anyway. But, um, I would say a mixture of, of rough experiences where comedy, I would say helped me get through those hard times and then having a family that just really liked uh, my family on both sides, on my dad's side and on my mom's side, just love to laugh and love awesome. to have a good time. And it's very therapeutic and, um, and done in a positive way and not in a numbing way. How did you build up such a big following? Um, I would say a lot of the following came from actors I had worked with. So because I had become friends with some of these celebrities um, and we followed each other on Instagram and then I eventually started doing videos with a few of them. Uh, and then also networking with other people, that was kind of the cross-promotionary yeah. thing. Uh, I know that some of them, some of my followers followed Dean Kane, and then they started following me, and then we all became great friends. And then uh, same with Marco Dapper or yeah. uh, any of the actors that I've worked with. Um, that was where a lot of the following came from. I switched my Instagrams a little bit. I, I re-targeted I, – I realized that the comedy and the public speaking weren't really – meshing well mm. all the time as far as marketing went. So I, that's why I made that separate one for yeah. comedy, the J-A-R-S-M-I-T versus the Jerem Smith one. Yeah. Though uh, comedy is a big part of my presentations anyway. <laughs> sure. But uh, the uh, I, I started accumulating a comedy on that second one, on that second Instagram pretty quickly, yeah. and quicker than I thought I would. And so I decided to leave the other one more toward public speaking and have the – the new one toward comedy. Yeah, that's awesome. It's very fun following you. You have a very fun feed. If people want to follow you on Instagram, what are the two? Uh, what are the two Instagram handles? Yeah, for sure. the uh, The main one, my main one, and I would say that one's geared more toward the public speaking with a little dash of comedy here and there. Is sure. Jer- is Jerem Smith at Just Jerem Smith at Jerem Smith J A R O M Smith? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all know how to spell Smith. <laughs> and then the the newer comedy one, which is still fairly new, is a. Uh, J A R S M I T J A R S M I T and that's where the the silly small videos. I, I my seventeen year old was like laughing hysterically just watching them. We were flipping through all of them, and it's it's really fun. So what's next for Jerem Smith? Oh boy, um, this summer is uh, booking season for <laughs> at least for me for uh, public speaking. I am uh, I'm really going to push hard. I've let go of some of the event companies that. I would be booked for uh, to do hosting or to do uh, emceeing. Yeah, they they do all my booking for me, and I'm kind of I'm I'm closing up shop a little bit there, and I'm pushing more into the public speaking realm. That's awesome. If uh, our audience is listening, they might be interested in having you come speak to them. What are some of the topics then that you'd hit? I mean, we talked a little bit about it before about people's value, people's worth. Oh, for sure. Um, I focus on uh, my presentation. Typically, is called being a person of gravity. And we focus on the three abilities <laughs> and uh, likability, accountability, and vulnerability. And those would be the those are the three things I focus on. Likability. A lot of times when people hear that, they think, "Oh, he likability," which means you know trying to win everybody over, trying to please everybody. And that's not at all what it's about. It's mm. actually about um, relationship and about what we're communicating without realizing it. Yeah. And then uh, accountability, you know, is. Uh, really geared toward what are we, what can we control and what can we not control and what can we change and what are other people responsible for changing and what are we not, uh, not what are we not responsible for changing? Gotcha. Yeah. Um, uh, example being when I was, when I was younger, I had a big thing with, uh, you know, people telling me that they felt left out cause I didn't invite them to a party and, <laughs> and, uh, and I would, uh, 
I would always be like, well, I, sometimes I forget people. Sometimes I, you know, I can't have too many people over. Sometimes I have to choose just my closest friends. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, they're all mad at me because I didn't invite them to a party. And then I came to the conclusion that I'm not in charge of people's social life. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just a small example of so accountability is barriers and yeah, right. putting up boundaries, boundaries reasonable barriers, boundaries, boundaries yeah. yeah, reasonable boundaries, sure. And then vulnerability, which is yeah. one that all of us are working on all the time. Of course. Um, being able to being able to be real and authentic and to serve people in a in a in a significant way. It's awesome. Without um without hurting ourselves or them. That's great. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to book you? I would say uh, Jeremess at I'm sorry, Jerem at Jeremess.com. So Jeremess.com is your website? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So go check out Jeremess.com. Definitely check out the Instagram feeds because it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, we're about at time. This has been fantastic getting to know you. Uh, we're going to wrap up with the same question that we ask all of our guests, which is, Jerem Smith, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Man, more every day. <laughs> it, it, it means more to me every day um, lately. I would say lately it means more to me every day. Being a member of the church means that I have Jesus Christ as my absolute best friend in a way that I didn't expect he would be. Mm. He's, he's not, when I've, when I get to the point that I've, that I've learned about Jesus Christ or connected with Jesus Christ, I have, um, to, in, what, sorry, I'm going to start all over with that. <laughs> sure. When, when I get to a point with Jesus Christ that I have learned so much about him that I can, I'm really starting to feel like I understand who he is and what, and what he is like. I have found that he's not what I thought he was. He is not, um, he is much more uh, positive <laughs> and uh, and uh, joyful and um, so not worried about the things I'm worried about. <laughs> and that if I reach out to him and to my Father in heaven, that they will reach back out to me in ways that I didn't think were possible. Oh, that's awesome. And with that understanding comes a lot of peace and a lot less worry. Oh, it's awesome. I love your mission. I love that you're going out with the express focus of making the world a better place. I specifically believe that comedy is a big key to that. And Agreed. I think it's just great what you're doing. And you're literally leaving here and heading all over the country now. You're heading from <laughs> directly from here to Arizona and, and Utah and kind of all over. We'll be excited to follow you and, and we'll share some links on our social media so people can get to know you better. He is an actor. He is a public speaker and a public figure. Jerem Smith, thank you for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. My thanks to Jerem Smith. He is such a good, good guy. I so enjoyed sitting down and talking to him, and I don't know him well. We only spent just over an hour together, but he is a good soul. I just got this feeling from him that he is just an amazing guy and so enjoyed spending time with him. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, I had a funny experience. Uh, I was there in Orange County for a customer event, and one of my sales reps flew out from Atlanta to join me at that event. It was actually her customer that uh, we were there to see. And so the first night, I interviewed Jerem. The next day, we worked all day with her customer, And then we drove down to San Diego, which is where our office is. We were going to spend the next two days in the office before she flew back to Atlanta and I flew back to Salt Lake. And I don't know this sales rep super well. Uh, I hired her in December, so she's worked for me for a few months, but we hadn't really spent a lot of time together talking. And here we had, you know, two hours driving south to, to sit and talk. And I had... I had prayed fervently that morning. I need an opportunity to share the gospel. And somehow, and I don't remember how, the church came up while we were driving and and we were talking. And she opened up to me and shared something really funny. She said that once she got hired and she had realized that I was a member of our church, that she had mentioned it to her boyfriend. She said, oh, I'm going to be working for a Mormon just how she knows us still. And uh, he said, oh, well, he's not going to try to make you one of his wives, is he? (laughs) 
And she said, no, I don't think so. He didn't seem like that. He seems like a normal guy. And I said, well, wait a minute. Does your boyfriend not know any members of our church? She goes, no, he's never met one. And I said, other than me and Tracy, who works with me, who I interviewed a few weeks ago, other than me and Tracy, do you know any other members of our church? She said, no, I've never met any. I said, so did you really believe that we have multiple wives? And she goes, well, I don't know. We watch this reality show. And on this reality show, I think that they're members of your church and they have multiple wives. And it just made me laugh. And I took the time to explain to her the difference between them and the difference between our church and a little bit of the history of our church and the role that polygamy played in it. And that led to her asking questions. So what about this? And tell me again why you don't drink and help me understand this. And next thing I know, we spent we had spent about 45 minutes sitting and talking about the church, which led to my favorite question. She said in her Southern accent, so are y'all Christians? And I said, there's the question. We are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I explained the Latter-day Saints. I explained the restoration. But I said, we are absolutely Christians. And she goes, y'all don't seem that weird now. (laughs) And I think that was the answer to the prayer right there, is that we all don't seem so weird. And it's amazing how Heavenly Father will open up those opportunities, if only we will petition and we will ask with sincerity. And I said, I hope you can confidently now tell your boyfriend, there is no chance I'm going to try to make you another wife and that he doesn't need to worry about it. And we had a good laugh about it. What a great opportunity to sit and to share the gospel. I think me living in Utah and having lived in the West most of my life, I feel like everybody knows us, right? I mean, it kind of seems that way. And yet time and time again, I meet people where I'm the only member of the church It make, that they know. It makes me very self-aware of how I act and how I behave. Am I representing the church well? But also to have the opportunity to share the gospel. Gosh, it's precious. And it's so important we take those opportunities when we can. I'm so thankful for the prophet and for the Quorum of the Twelve and all the apostles and, and general authorities now who are getting that message out there as to who we really are, the representation and just how important it is. If people think they know us because of reality TV, it's definitely up to us to make sure they get to know the real us. And Heavenly Father will give us those opportunities if we just make ourselves willing to do so. It's a real blessing, and I highly recommend it. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We sure appreciate it. If you're not already following us on social media, please feel free to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. We share all of our episodes there. If you want to reach out to me, I can be reached at uh, sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. And so until next week, when we'll have another episode for you, please remember, as always, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 